0: chaka Khan. What? Chaka. <laughs>
1: chaka. Chaka-Con. Chaka-Chaka-Chaka-Con. Khan. chaka Chaka-Con. Chaka-Con. chaka Let me rock it. Let me rock it. Chaka-Con. Let me rock it. Uh-huh.
0: chaka chaka, con. chaka con. Let me rock it. Let me rock it. chaka con. Can you do the rest of it? No. Brad, you have to bring that in because otherwise it'll sound really the worst it's ever sounded.
1: That may be, I don't know. That sounds good to me.
0: I still can you bring it in? Yeah, (laughs) we need that little chaka con at the beginning. I just
1: I you know I I'm usually prepared for you to throw things at me in these intros, but I was not prepared for that. I know
0: the reason why the beginning of that song rules so bad uh is because of that delay, because it's like chaka, chaka con, uh huh, chaka con. You know what I'm talking about, right, Brad? It's like like delayed opening. That's a great way to start this podcast, Corey. Yeah, a great way.
1: i just, just with me with a baffled look on my face.
0: Yes, they can't see that look, but they can hear. Chuck, ch- ch- <laughs> <Chaka-Con. laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is not the Chuckacon podcast. This is the Side Talks podcast, where we talk about things other than Chuckacon.
1: We talk about cinema specifically. Oh yeah. Uh, my name's Corey Kraft. I feel for you. Here to talk about cinema. <laughs> um. That's uh, Chaka Khan. I think I love you. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm Rachel Morgan. Oh, okay. I'll stop. All I'll right. stop. I'll stop. Because the song is still going, right, Brad? The song's still going to be going right sure
1: now. Sure thing. <laughs> this is, by the way, the official podcast for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema in Birmingham, Alabama. feel like we should mention that once or twice every uh, now and again. Why? Um, so, uh, yeah. You want to talk about some movies? Let's do it. Let's do it. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one. Fight.
0: Five-minute fight time.
1: All right, let's just jump right into this. Why not? We're fighting about the 2013 uh, comedy, American Hustle, nominated for like a million Academy Awards, including for its very starry cast, Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper. You've even got Jeremy Renner in there. Rachel, you you um, messaged me earlier today saying you just watched this movie. You didn't like it. And That's it's a movie right. that I think is, you know, it's good. I, I remember really enjoying it in 2013. It was not among my favorites of the year. It was not um, a movie I wanted to see win a bunch of Oscars, and it didn't, ultimately. But it's a movie that I thought was fun. So air your grievances. What do you have yeah. against David O. Russell's um, weird comedy here?
0: Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, my mom saw this film and really loved it, uh-huh. and she told me, "Oh, I've never seen anything quite like it. You got to see this film. You got to see this film." And you know, it's taken taking me a minute, but right. it you, was you got there. Got around to it. <laughs> I mean, no offense to my mom, but you know, I didn't take the the hint. Um, and I I was on a plane, and I'm scrolling through things that you watch on a plane, and there it was. And so I decided I will take this opportunity to watch it on a plane, and that is where it deserves to be watched. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's. It's just not very good. I think it's all over the place and it's a little confusing to me and not just because I was on a plane with, as I mentioned, two French bros fighting <laughs> next to me. It was just generally, I think, a little chaotic in a way that I don't love yeah. um, from a structure standpoint.
1: I, I think that's totally fair. That was one of the main complaints against it when it was released. I happen to like that chaos. Um, so, they, so
0: can you explain to me the premise of this thing?
1: So it, it's kind of loosely based on the Ab Scam Scandal from the 1970s, a sting operation where Bradley Cooper's unscrupulous and permed FBI agent recruits these two con artists played by Christian Bale. And Amy Adams in some sort of, like, sting to catch the mayor, played by Jeremy Renner of some New Jersey town, in some sort of something. I don't remember the details because it's been eight years since I've seen this movie.
0: Amy Adams is actually good in it. I will say she, that. She's, she's really good. good. And the fashion is good. The style is good. I do like it. I was already off to on a bad bad foot when the first five minutes of thing is him fixing his hair. And it's supposed to be a laugh riot. I get
1: yeah, you know, it's it's big broad comedy and and I think the reason I kind of responded to it is because you know, for an ostensibly Oscar baity serious sort of thriller-ish thing, this is big and broad and cartoonish in ways that um really kind of spoke to me at the time. I liked the chaos. I liked the sort of off-kilter screwball energy that these big stars brought to this. I mean, essentially, this is an opportunity for a bunch of very serious actors to show up and be complete nutcases. But I think
0: that's where it goes wrong, because I don't think any of them are very funny. And and there are jokes like like the Bradley Cooper perm. It's just not that funny. Um, I actually appreciate the, the style of the wardrobe and the and the hair and makeup for what it is. And so I'm not really laughing at it because, mm. you know, that was the 70s and it's just that sort of, you know what it reminds me of? What's when that? you go to a party and somebody's wearing like a, a wig from the party store. Right. And you're supposed to be this like cackling laughing because they're wearing a funny wig from the party store and it's like, "No, you didn't embody you you didn't really embody the sentiment of this era or the sentiment of this theme. You just put on a party store wig.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do think that's fair. Um again, I can't conjure any specific instances of good gags or jokes. It worked for me just because I haven't seen this movie in a very. Yeah, long I understand. Time. I'm
0: playing. I'm playing with a. You know, I just recently saw it, and you and you haven't seen it in a minute. And, yeah, it's and been. A while. I didn't really give you enough time to go back and watch it, but I don't know that you would have wanted to. Honestly, let me ask you. I, I just am confused, and maybe this was the airplane. Uh-huh. They the whole way that they get kind of caught up in this, willing to work with the with the government kind of bullshit uh, scheme and set people up, is because they're pulling some kind of con, and it's a con that involves. I, I, that I was just so like, what is the con? I no, don't...
1: I, I couldn't tell you.
0: Okay, good. I, I have no memory I of that. I just watched it and the con didn't really make sense. And so that's where things frustrate me because yeah. I do think that there's certain films that I, you, you don't want to get too much – you don't want to be too caught up in the procedurals of, of – you know, a con or a crime. But I think that those films do tend to work really well like the grifters when you understand what the con is.
1: Or when it's played like a twist near the end, the, you know, the full revelation, like an oceans 11 or sure. the sting or something like that.
0: Like I don't, I'm not confused by what people are trying to get away with. And that's actually part of the interest and the yeah. intrigue of a film like that is that, Oh, that's kind of cool. I've never seen anybody, you know, take a $20 bill and put it on the counter and switch out a $10 bill. Like that is part part of the enjoyment of something like the grifters. And this has none of that. And it's just playing with a like, Half full deck.
1: Well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take your word for it because, okay. you know, the only things that I really remember that I responded to from this movie, are just the comic energy and the energy of the performances. And honestly, that was enough to sustain me in 2013. It sounds like it didn't work for you. No,
0: it didn't. And again, maybe I missed something because it it, it is difficult to watch on an airplane with the captain, you know, wanting to give you the weather every five minutes. But <laughs> so maybe I missed something, but it, it was convoluted and, and structurally problematic to yeah. me. Sam? That was
1: a relatively civil it fight. That was a very
0: civil argument. I think because this film isn't very good and so you
1: aren't passionate. I mean, I just don't know. <laughs> it could be great. <laughs> I could love it. Yes. like how it only got civil after the five minutes were up. It
0: was pretty It can pretty civil. blow up at any point. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true. Okay, so y'all did describe the basic premise, but honestly the actual premise of the movie seems just like... It's another movie where Christian Bale looks different number four. Um, that, like, him being transformed is the main selling point of why you should see the movie. Um, completely agreeing with Rachel here. It's the ideal plane movie. Um, the only place to watch American Hustle is a plane in the air. Um, they're all playing dress-up, just like theater kids that got access to the wardrobe department. So true. Um, yeah. The wardrobe department is are the real stars here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, five hundred thousand points to Rachel, um, and Corey loses, let's say like five thousand points for just enjoying this movie and having his <laughs> own opinions.
0: <laughs> also, we have a new, just a new poll quote for a film, which is Christian Bale looks different.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jennifer it's Lawrence funny. is but some sort of suit. like boozy housewife who keeps talking about her science oven, <laughs> which I do, I did, I do think that's funny.
0: Oh man, she's a little out of place in this thing
1: too. A little bit, but but I I don't know. There's something about her that works.
0: That's the only funny line in the whole film is when she refers to a microwave as a science oven. That's the only <laughs> only funny thing in this entire film.
1: And now, fast <laughs> film terms. Well, <laughs> is that just several lightning strikes? So, a
0: little lightning storm for this one, I think.
1: Because we're in for a filmmaker lightning round. For sure. That's right. So we're we're continuing to. Um, I guess, change up our parameters. Yeah,
0: for sure. It doesn't Um, have to be a director. You don't have to be a a director to be a filmmaker. No,
1: of course not. And this certainly, this figure is an incredibly important figure in 20th century American cinema, though she never directed a film herself. Um, Yes, most unfortunately. We are going to talk about the great uh, production designer, writer, producer, um, and all around um, Hollywood pro- Polly Platt.
0: Yes. And let me direct you to part of the inspiration here, Corey, is that I, I'm working on Women in Film Week. It's going to be a week at the cinema where we're going to play films by and about women. Very
1: excited for this. Uh,
0: it's going to be, I think, a really, really great week. And uh, most of the content is going to be fairly current, most of it. And um, in, in preparation for that, I've been listening to You Must Remember This and very right. specifically the mini series on Polly Platt, which I cannot recommend enough.
1: It's It's great.
0: It is a really, I mean, a much, much better podcast than ours. Hats off. (laughs) Um, Well, Karina
1: Longworth is professional, professional. like extremely professional,
0: and uh, it's just a great, great podcast. And that particular series is is top of my list for uh, for that podcast
1: for sure.
0: And so, um, just looking at the films of Polly Platt you know was uh, seemed appropriate today.
1: So Polly Platt is probably best known for her affiliations with director Peter Bogdanovich who just passed away recently and uh, director writer producer James L. Brooks. Um, So we might see some of their films pop up in our filmmaker lightning round list as she worked with those gentlemen as production designer and later producer. um,
0: Cameron Crowe as well.
1: Cameron Crowe as well, that's right. um,
0: I'll also add she was uh, married to Peter Bogdanovich and his most acclaimed work was when she was by his side. So there is a lot of rumor and a lot of speculation that she had a lot more influence on his body of work than... Is given credit, and Peter Bogdano- it. Bogdanovich himself <laughs> did not provide that credit. And then, of course, he left her for Sybil Shepherd, wh- who he met on the uh, well the on prime. the last picture show. Yeah, on the last picture show. I was going to say on the set, but really, we'll just say on the last picture show. And he also is uh, very connected to another really sort of tragic story. Which is that of uh,
1: Dorothy Stratton,
0: Dorothy Stratton. Yes, yep. he was dating Dorothy Stratton. And actually, she, he was the man that she left uh, the her I guess it was her husband,
1: uh, the guy played by Eric Roberts in the movie yeah. Star, 80. Star That's, 80. Yeah.
0: And so um, Polly Platt's two children were actually at Peter Bogdanovich's house when he got the news that Dorothy Stratton had been murdered. And uh, wow. really tragic and had a major influence on um, on Polly's life as well. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get going.
1: Well, uh, what is a movie um, uh, that Polly Platt was involved with that you love?
0: Oh, so many. So many. But if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go with Terms of Endearment. Interesting. And part of the reason I'm full disclosure here so, for many years, for about eight or nine years of my life, I lived in Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. Uh huh born and raised in Birmingham. And then around second grade, my parents moved us to Houston, Texas. And that was around the time that this film was shot and then obviously released. And it is such a Texas film and right. it, it is such a memory from childhood. So I, it's a, I love a good melodrama. This is certainly that, and I think it's really wonderful performances and uh, just an unforgettable film. So I'm going to go terms of endearment.
1: Good. What yeah. What about you? Um, I, I love her collaborations with Bogdanovich. I'm going to shout out uh, What's Up, Doc, here. Oh, cool. Um, the, the screwball comedy with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. Barbara she, who? Barbara Streisand. Streisand, sorry. Um, she served as production designer on that film. Um, and it's a very madcap cartoonish depiction of San Francisco that I really, yeah. really like. Yeah, so, very cool. Uh, really, really fun, consistently hilarious movie.
0: And I should also probably say that, in terms of endearment, she served, served as production designer. Yeah. And I also want to say that it would be so easy to mention either Paper Moon or The Last Picture Show, right. Because both of which are masterpieces. They just don't need any more mentions. They are they are absolute masterworks.
1: As I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I saw The Last Picture Show for the first time recently, and Ugh. did talked, it break your heart? I mean, or of course, what? of yeah. course. I mean, what a what a movie that is. Um. So, a Platt movie that you like more than most people seem to.
0: Oh, there um, there are probably a lot of those too. But I'm probably going to go with uh, War of the Roses, mm-hmm. just because you don't necessarily hear... It's a tie. It's actually a tie. Yeah. War of the Roses, it's gotten a bit... It's it's kind of landed in a kind of forgotten spot. Right. I, I don't talk to a lot of people who've seen this film, and it's amazing. Now, there's some tragedy attached to that film with her, and that is that she was really set to direct War of the Roses. And, and then and, Danny
1: DeVito did, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. And it was sort of... Danny DeVito was interested in directing, and it was like, who doesn't give this to Danny DeVito at that at that moment in sure. time? So, especially at a Time when they aren't really looking to women to direct, so a, tra- yeah. a tragic moment. But still, she served as production designer on that, and uh, so hats off to her for that work. It's a it's a gorgeous film, uh, and then the tie is a film that can be problematic nowadays because of some of the language on it, et cetera, et cetera. But Bad News Bears is not a film. I'm not suggesting that other people don't love that film. I'm simply suggesting that I think I love it so, (laughs) so deeply that I probably love it more than most.
1: Now, those are both two movies I know I have seen. I yeah. saw them as as a kid. I have not seen them since uh, I was a kid.
0: Worth a revisit, Corey. I, I,
1: it feels like I'm going to have to, especially, well, both of them, really. You know I love my Walter Matthau, so I should really watch the Bad yeah. News Bears.
0: And a scrappy little Tatum O'Neill, just a little badass in that thing. Yeah. It also, between it and in Terms of Endearment, it sort of sums, those two kind of come together to sum up my childhood.
1: Sure. That does not surprise me <laughs> Uh, well, the movie that I feel like I like more than most people, you know, we don't have to rehash our recent Steve Martin argument. Yeah. The Polly Platt oh, served Here we as, go. Um, as production designer on the Carl Reiner film, The Man with Two Brains, which co-stars Kathleen Turner. Um, Steve Martin, a, a neurosurgeon, um, who has uh, a very angry and unfaithful new wife played by Kathleen Turner. There is scheming and some scientific nonsense that, that, uh, you know, eventually leads to, um, him becoming, I don't remember a genius transferring consciousness to different bodies. I mean, it's just comic nonsense, Steve Martin going crazy. And, um, I certainly like that movie more than you.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, Kathleen Turner, though, who was also in War of the Roses, and who I would argue plays a great straight man.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, she, her energy against Steve Martin in that movie is really funny. Yeah. Um, so, so that would be my answer to there. Now, this one we might have some trouble with. I had trouble with this one, oh, a movie it. that we don't like as much as most people. Oh, think. I have
0: no trouble whatsoever. Uh oh. Embrace yourself. Okay. Because you're going to have a little bro bitch come
1: apart. I'll let's hear it.
0: I don't love Bottle Rocket.
1: <sighs> I
0: know. Sam?
1: I mean, I do love Bottle Rocket. I'll grant you that it is not the the full, you know, the, the Wes Anderson at, at the fullness of his powers no, that we would get later. And um, isn't it
0: funny that that was, film was rejected from Sundance?
1: I think that's terrible. <laughs> I mean
0: – I'm just laughing because it just goes to show. It doesn't make me feel as bad about uh, rejecting Lena Dunham's first film. That's all I'm saying.
1: I, I really do love I know uh, you Bottle do. Rocket. So
0: we'll argue it. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. But it is – It's Does it surprise you I don't like it though? It's a dude film from hell. It's
1: a, it's, it's a bit of a dude film, but it's scrappy and it's got that sort of like do-it-yourself like con man energy that hints at the Wes Anderson who would emerge later. I, yeah. think, I think maybe if you were to rewatch it – you might appreciate it a little more,
0: maybe. But you know, I try to watch it and and, and separate my knowledge of Wes Anderson. Sure, does that make sense? Yeah. I try to watch it, you know, and, and look at it and as its own little thing. As its being, own thing, and it—I don't love it.
1: I, I, I think I, it's again, pretty fun. I'll
0: rewatch and we'll discuss. I'm—I my feeling is we're going to land on a five-minute fight on
1: that. Well, we might land on a five-minute fight with this one too. Let's hear it. Look, it's not that I don't like this movie. Shit. I haven't seen this movie in a while? Shit. Um, but it's I'm I'm confident that you like this movie a lot more than I do. Let's hear it, and most people listening do. Which is Cameron Crowe? Say anything?
0: You got to be fucking kidding me! It's a movie that right I now. think is Sam
1: good, but well, I don't. I mean, love it. this is a this don't is an incredible it. film, Sam. What what we're gonna fight about? Me not loving a movie that I think is perfectly fine? Yes. Now this is well, I
0: do it all the time.
1: That's true. This is definitely something I need to revisit.
0: It's in the canon, and that's what we can argue about. It's absolutely in the canon, Corey.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, if I rewatch it and I'm like, oh, never mind. It's great. um, I'll give you you that. You know, then that'll be its own situation. Love, Um,
0: love, love that film.
1: I know you do. Everybody does. And I watched it when I was, you know, a young person, high school, college, you know, Lloyd Dobler age. And I watched it and I was like, that was good. I never need to see that again or think about that oh, again. Wow. But that was good. Fuck off! Yeah, I'm just it, also,
0: it just it also st- so stands the test of time. I love this damn film. I,
1: I, hey, I. All right, I, I Rewatch, expected this. Rewatch. I expected this. Uh, I'll get Nasty. around to it at some point. Uh, all right. And finally, yeah. uh, a Polly Platt movie that you might feel the need to revisit.
0: Oh, this is a really easy one because really there's a lot on this list that yeah. are worth revisiting. Clearly Pretty Baby would be a great one to go back and watch. That was really a breakthrough film for her. I think uh-huh. it's the first film that she ever wrote and was it was so close to her heart. And hearing uh, the podcast that centers on Pretty Baby is really interesting because there's so much – that's pulled from Polly Platt's life that goes into the screenplay, but yeah. also so much that's pulled from. Um, I'm so sorry. How am I forgetting? I'm I'm, I'm senile now.
1: Wait, who, who? The
0: lead actress, Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields' life and her mother was on set, and right. it, it's it's you know really connected to, and, and rooted in reality. But I'm gonna go with. Which is a beastwick.
1: That's that's my answer too. Yeah. That's another movie I haven't seen since I was a kid. It's a George Miller movie. Yeah. Um, you've got a bunch of great actresses and Jack Nicholson at the top of their game doing silly. Uh, John Updike-inspired magic and nonsense. Veronica Cartwright's in that in a memorable role, as I recall. It's a movie I haven't seen in forever, but I'd like to revisit it.
0: Same, And hearing again that other podcast talk about the production design on it and some of the unique decisions being made about production design has really sparked me to see this again. So don't hold me to it. Because I just now requested it, but I'm proposing to do a Polly double feature as part of Women in Film Week, and that double feature will be Witches of Eastwick in Terms of Endearment. Sick! Which I think will be a lovely combo for uh, to represent her in a micro sense.
1: Yeah, I would love to come see The Witches of Eastwick on the big screen. Terms of Endearment is a movie that I really like. I don't know... That was almost my answer for a movie that I don't like as much as Watch everybody yourself. else i Watch mean i yourself. do I do think that is a really great movie. It's not a movie that is beloved to me,
0: yeah. and you know, I think. I think melodrama is tough for some people. I'm yeah. not suggesting it's tough for you. I'm I'm just saying that I do think that melodrama can be really difficult. And it took me a while. I kind of came around to melodrama about 12 or 13 years ago for uh-huh. some reason. I just decided to put my head into the genre a bit and kind of, you know, think about it in a different way maybe. Yeah. And anyway, I, I end up really coming around to that genre.
1: Yeah, in terms of endearment for me, it took I, – I, I'll admit this. I, I only saw it for the first time fairly recently, just a right. couple years ago. Um, and I was kind of put off initially just by the jumps in time that that movie takes. Yes. I didn't expect that that movie covered such a broad uh, look oh, at it's the epic. life of this family. And so when it, it, it sort of choppily jumps ahead – Many years at a time in between scenes, sometimes, and it took me a little while to fall into the rhythm of that. It's not what I thought the movie was yeah. going into it, but once I fell into that rhythm and sort of got into the performances, which are all across the board, you know, excellent, I kind of came around to it and and started to appreciate it more, especially you know as it reaches its very famous. Tragic conclusion, which is really, I think, what a lot of people remember from that movie. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. Overall, I think it's a it's it's a great movie. It's one that perhaps I'd need to spend a little bit more time with. It is something that I think would be pretty wonderful on the big screen, though.
0: Yeah. And you know, Deborah Winger, (laughs) height of Deborah Winger's career. Really incredible performance from her, and obviously, she was a very difficult person to work with. But uh, perhaps this performance pays pays for yeah. that I don't know yeah anyway that's um what an incredible filmmaker I mean think about the films we just listed
1: yeah I mean and think about some of the films we didn't really spend exactly. that much time on exactly um, I mean paper moon uh, we, we it comes up every now and again on the podcast but damn that movie is amazing
0: it's amazing and it, it is you know one of the greatest films ever made
1: and period. uh executive producer of broadcast news that's totally. a movie that I love um, and as you said right before we started recording, um, with her involvement with James L. Brooks, uh, I don't see. I don't know. This might be something you learned from the podcast, uh, from the Karina Longworth podcast. But involved with The Simpsons, which is, yeah, you know, that's about ninety percent of my personality comes from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, so. I
0: mean, supposedly she. I don't want to listen to the podcast because I don't want to screw up the story. But basically, she she loved a comic strip.
1: By that, Matt Granny. Yes. Yeah.
0: And and gave frame gave a framed comic strip to
1: To James L. Brooks. James L. Brooks. Wow. wow.
0: And he had it hang on his wall and was sort of like I wanna see when whenever they did the Tracy Ullman show, I yeah. think it was and they needed, and the they, needed they needed something to fill some space. He was like, Well I'll call this dude. That's, and that's yeah. that's the origin story of the Simpsons.
1: That rules. Oh man, well she's great. Um, I love you. Must remember this. I haven't heard the Polly Platt series yet. Oh, so you're I gonna. To, I
0: think you're gonna really, yeah, really love. I it. I
1: need to listen to it. Um, and that is our filmmaker lightning round. So keep an eye out. You you heard it here first. We're trying to you know book the, uh, some Polly Platt for Women in Film Week. Keep an eye out for that and whatever else is playing during Women in Film Week uh, at SidewalkFest.com. You're gonna want to get those tickets.
0: Side Talks podcast where you're listening to your own personal cinematic Kenny Rogers Roasters and Cabo Waba dude
1: (laughs) (laughs) I you know what I remember having many a meal at Kenny Rogers Roasters there was a
0: fireplace in there and frame photos of Dolly. <laughs> I, let me tell you, though, there was there was a Kenny Rogers Roasters on Highway 31. Oh, here that's the and one I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah, I miss it. I miss it. I don't eat meat at all, but I somehow miss Kenny Rogers Roasters. It was always like Christmas in there. But here's my favorite story about Kenny Rogers Roasters. You ready for yep. it? Yep. I remember seeing, uh, I think it was either a Johnny Carson or maybe it was a Leno. It was probably an episode of Leno one night when I'm sitting there and Kenny Rogers was on. And Leno turns or, turns to Kenny Rogers and says, so you've got a chicken place. Uh, I've got three pieces of chicken on a plate right here. I want you to taste them all and tell me which one is yours. Oh, no. And Kenny Rogers got it wrong. Well. Anyway, it was just for some reason that just is is burnt in my memory. I mean,
1: it, it really was just. Boston Market by another name. <laughs> um,
0: by another name that again involves a crackling fire and, and frame photos of Dolly Parton. Sure, sure. That that elevates anything, Corey.
1: Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I, I remember it fondly.
0: Yeah, well, thanks to Batwell Studios. Uh,
1: thanks to our sponsor, Revelator Coffee, for not only sponsoring this podcast, but supplying me with much-needed coffee all the time.
0: All the time. All uh, the time. They're great. Uh, Sidewalk Fest Dot com
1: Or on social media at Sidewalk Film. Check out uh, all of these places for cinema showtimes. Uh, by the time you hear this, we'll probably be in, I think, week two of The Worst Person in the World and the Oscar-nominated shorts.
0: And maybe day one of planning the Cabo Wabo Film Festival, bro. Oh,
1: oh my goodness. Well, I can't speak to that, but come see a movie with us. Bye.
0: Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words our expertise.